to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that our women are making. This is Amy Pons, and I am a Master Certified Life Coach, joined today by the Erin Gallagher. Erin is the CEO and founder of Ella, an inclusive network unlocking women's access to human, social, and financial capital. Through connection, consulting, and coaching, Ella recognizes women's values and increases their valuation. She's a LinkedIn top 100 influencer, top 10 DEI voice, number five, and wrote one of the 100 most influential LinkedIn posts of the decade. She brings her 20 years experience leading global marketing, business development, branding, and communications, and her counsel of the White House, Fortune 100 C-suite, and senior leaders at some of the world's biggest and best brands and companies from LinkedIn to United Airlines to Carhartt to McDonald's to the work she's doing to build generational wealth for women and accelerate them into positions of power and influence. Let that sink in. Through her work, forging relationships with change makers and leaders who believe in the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access, Erin has become, as one global CMO so succinctly put it, the not-so-secret weapon so many leaders count on to drive real change. She knows everyone. Woo! Last week, I I met Erin in person for the first time, like fangirled out. I was like, can I touch you? Are you real? This is surreal. Wild. Like, what do I do? What do I do with my hands? I'm so awkward. She was wearing this fantastic pink jumpsuit, the same one that Greta Gerwig wore in the directing of Barbie and just her energy and the welcoming. We all, all of us women at the dinner last week was like, this is different. This is something different. So Erin, welcome. Amy. Wow, girl, what an intro. I am like still, still processing everything that you just said, even though, you know, I, I've written it at one point or another. It's so amazing to be here with you. Being with you in person last week, there's nothing that replaces, nothing that replaces that in person. Your hands were always doing the right thing. They never looked awkward or out of place. And so, and so know, know that like you may have been in your own head, but to me, you were just there in the room with us and you brought a light and a power and a joy that was infectious. So I'm deeply excited to be having this conversation a few days later after what we experienced together and, you know, the continued sort of support and amplification of each other's work that we will continue to do. Y'all hear that? It's my soul jumping out of my like body right now. So we're going to, we're just going to give, give it light and breath. First and foremost, what are the moves that you're excited to be making right now? Well, I am, I'm excited that last week was our 15th dinner that we have put together over the course of about six concentrated months. You know, we've been, Ella's been in business for over a year now, but, but those, those dinners in five markets for 200 women, um, actually 300 women at those 15 dinners have been transformational for everyone there. They've been transformational for me. So we have two more dinners coming up over the next three weeks in New York and Chicago. And we're continuing to get back to the markets that we've already been and and get to those new markets. So that's a move that's important and at the sort of heart of everything that I'm committed to. And I'm also deeply obsessed with Femtech right now. And so I'm just, I'm paying a lot of attention to what's happening. I'm watching the the rise and the trajectory of these women-owned businesses focusing on women. Who would have thunk 51% of the population, half of the labor force, 85% of consumer buying power might be an area to spend some energy. And we know that it's going to be, you know, over a trillion dollars by 2027. So I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm obsessed. I'm 
connected with so many of the founders that are leading these companies that are acquiring other organizations that are getting the infusion of capital at the rate of $80 million in some cases. And so I, I just want to continue to pay attention and to shine light on what they're doing to make the world a better place for women and for everyone by proxy. Oh, and Hype Women. We're launching the Hype Women podcast on August 26th, which is um, Women's Equality Day. (laughs) Women's Equality Day. Day. Women's Equality Day, launching the Hype Women podcast, the continuation of sort of the, the moment to the movement that we've all sort of joined together to truly become the unabashed hype women of one another that we've all deserved and many of us have never received or been and to challenge that that conditioning that we have that women are threats to us they are our competition and that their success detracts from ours we aren't going to do that anymore we're not going to believe that and we're not going to be distracted from the real work which is the dismantling of the white supremacist patriarchy oh and kids are starting school this week so you know that's it <laughs> you know you know that's it so Many of you, because Aaron knows everybody, um, has seen a lot of the work and Aaron has specifically single-handedly been one of my idols since I pivoted away from corporate last fall. 2022, I was, I was so grateful for the, the one last kind of kick from the universe to be like, okay, go, go, <laughs> go do something else. And your voice is one of the ones that I found right away that said, oh, she gets it. Because one of the things that I was no longer willing to tolerate was that I, I felt like I was becoming part of the problem because I was in survival mode, showing up as someone that I didn't want to be, but was feeling kind of forced to be, to show up as that individual in the workplace, as, you know, a white woman in the, in a male dominated industry. And so I, I clung to your words like, oh, she gets it. And it's not only just for white women. I heard something recently, like, don't just be an ally, be a traitor. We're completely battling the other way around. Absolutely. We we are co-conspirators, right? Because there's an activeness to it that can't just be passive standing on the sidelines hoping everything goes well for people that are that have a rougher go. So it truly is about no, how are you going to jump into the the mud and to actually be active in your allyship and in your standing up of supporting others. In this work of course, all day, every day, you could get triggered. How do you find the, what I like to call the glimmers in the work so that something happens and you're like, oh, fuck that. And again, you're going to become part of the solution, not just like vent about it. You do, you do way more above and beyond. And it's not just through your online work. I can, again, attest to this. Like you do this, you brought um, 17 strangers together. And over the course of four hours, we got into each other's souls. Like what? And yep. that, like, that's, that's the most gorgeous thing I think I've ever seen. It is my life's work. And so there is something really powerful about doing professionally work that is passion driven. There's also something deeply exhausting about that because what I have noticed, especially in the past few years, when I left corporate as well, right, in 2019 to found my first company, and then left that company in March of last year to found Ella, is that when your passion work is your main day job, it is really difficult to delineate the difference between you as an individual and you as the professional. 
So my worlds are incredibly blurred and I, I'm not good at turning it off and I have to be more cognizant of that so that I don't get completely burned out. But it's also like, well, when you walk through the world as a woman, everything is, everything is always coming at you. And so it's not, it's also not something that you can just turn off and decide today isn't a day that I'm going to experience what it means to be in a world that wasn't built by or for me. So I think that why I can handle putting myself out there in the way that I do and why I am willing to be as vulnerable as I am publicly, knowing that I will get feedback from people that do not agree with me and that actually don't believe I have any right to say what I'm saying is because I've been in therapy for more than 20 years. That has been the foundation of my ability to recognize that other people's opinions of me have so much less to do with me than they have to do with them. I I mean, it took me a long time to get to that point. I used to really take in people's perspectives and their critique. I saw it as direction and a directive, not an opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to transfer that or transition to a different way of looking at things. So when someone says, I don't think that you should be doing this. Or I don't think you have a right to say this or, or something else happens that is very triggering. I kind of step back and say to myself, okay, what about this is triggering me? Is it truly this person's comment or this person's action or this person's behavior? Or is it because it's reminding me of something that I've already worked through and something that has been very, that I've been very raw and traumatized by and have deep healing to do from, because if that's what's going on, then I actually probably can have a bit more power over what this is. I'm not in danger at the moment. You know, so much of my personality because of just a lot of trauma over the course of my life is to be in fight or flight a lot and to really be like ready to have to defend. And in so many of these instances, that is not the level of attention or access to me that, that, a moment deserves. And so I have to just sort of take a breath and step away and then kind of reassess and realign. So that's, that's how I navigate that. But it's a really intentional choice that has taken me a long time to be able to do positively, powerfully, and with, with a lot of healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That really hits home with me as well, because when I was coming out of corporate, I was just getting so every single day crushed under somebody's boot. And so when I came out of that, I was so angry for so many months because I was like, and I know, no, to your point about healing, the first 20 years of my life was spent in abuse, mental, physical, emotional. And in the second 20 years, I was looking for more of the same. I was, I was needing that and kind of seeking that out because that was what felt safe and familiar. This this being healthy and healing, that was weird. That was like out of nowhere. And so to your point, when someone says something to me and I, I start to feel my, I I start to feel it rise in my chest. I'm like, okay, that's an invitation to check in and see what, okay, I have something more to do here. Okay. And it's, it's sparking something in me to do more work. And that's really something beautiful. And that's what I now help others to recognize. And it's not an easy, it's not an easy journey. It's, it's like saying like, don't get pissed. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh sure right like yeah cool i'll just turn off my personality yeah i'll just not get mad about someone you know calling me whatever or other people amy you made a really really important point that i think deserves a bit more attention you talked about 
coming, seeking out chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And some of that bad behavior, not because by the way, you enjoy it, but because it is familiar, right? And so that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand about people that have dealt with a lot of abuse and trauma over the course of their lives. They get to sit on the sidelines and go, why do you keep going into it? What's wrong with you? Like, just do, do better, be smarter. And, and there's so much layering that, that occurs that needs more and deserves more compassion and what that really is, is like, no, no, people seek that out or they're drawn to it or they draw people to them because it's familiar not because it's positive or right. It's just, there's a homeostasis. There's a space that you just kind of, you come back to that kind of like pendulum swing where it sits where you've been. So there is discomfort in healing. There is discomfort in, in surrounding yourself with people that are not gaslighting you. You know, I mean, I, I have really paid attention in the past year to who I'm surrounding myself with, who I'm giving access to. And when I am noticing that unfamiliar feeling of being told that I'm not good enough, that what I'm doing is wrong, that what I'm experiencing is an incorrect version of the truth, that my perception is not the reality. When people try to tell me who I am, I take a break from them. And I think about what's going on here because three, four years ago, when I decided to leave corporate and start another company, I was finally really breaking out of my shell. And I was saying, this is what I'm worth. This is who I am. This is what I should be paid. And people that I went into business with said, no, you aren't. No, you don't. No, you won't. And I should have walked. I should have walked away, but instead I, my response was, well, maybe they know better. Maybe I am stepping out incorrectly. And maybe, I mean, these are people that are supposed to have my back and are supposed to have my best interest in mind. So I must be mistaken. When you finally remember who the fuck you are and you decide to stop abandoning yourself in service to other people, no one can ever tell you who you are again. Okay. So my left eye just started twitching and itching like wild. That's the divine feminine being like, fuck yes. <laughs> if you, For those who are not familiar, typically like in your physical body, left side is the divine feminine, right side, divine masculine. Woo, she's here. Woo, that's good information for me to have. So I know I'm yes, not just is. a crazy person. It's not a crazy person. No, absolutely not. Like I will get things on my left side specifically, like when my divine feminine is like lighting up and you just spoke to her soul and it was so gorgeous. To your point, there's a great book I recently read. It's called Patriarchy Stress Disorder by Dr. Valerie Rain. She talks about how from the moment, even before we're in, we're, we're, we're in the womb, we actually pick up in the womb, wounds from our great, great uh, generation. So we wake up or, you know, when we're born into this world, especially as women, young girls, first of all, the ages one through seven, everything that you hear and see as a child is fact. You can't, you don't have the skills to discern. So if you hear anything one to seven, even when you're two years old, oh, you're a chubby baby, you have roles. You know, um, I even caution people without trying to correct or police, but I'm like, oh, is she, is, is she chubby or is she healthy? That's a healthy baby right there. You know, that's one thing. And then the second thing is that before we're even born, we have picked up on, you know, thousands of years ago when the divine feminine was exiled, especially like 
the past hundred years going through the fifties and things where women were deemed less than we come into this world as less than because mm-hmm. we have again, picked up on our, the wounds from our great, great generation. So we have great grandma, grandpa, um, grandma, great grandma, mom. So anything that they ever endured, we already have in us. So by nature and by virtue of that, to your point, if anyone, when it, when someone says you're not good enough, it's like, yeah, they're right. And it takes a lot to, and to your point, you said when people tell you that it doesn't have to be someone saying to you, you're not good enough. It could be implicit. It could be a nonverbal, but I I have that in my life still today, Aaron. And I'm, I'm kind of, some people might look at me and being like, but I'm weeding out a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. it's more about, I let them go with love saying that's not who I am or my highest purpose any longer. And I value our season together. And now we move on lovingly. You know, it doesn't have to be any big thing that I'm not willing to be felt as less than anymore. That's amazing. And that's, and that's huge. And it's also, you say it so beautifully that it sounds simple, but it's actually really difficult and complex. And it requires a deep understanding of who you are in order to be able to withstand the blowback of, of moving on from someone because especially for people who are gaslighters and manipulators, they do not want you to ever remember or know who you are because it is critically important to their control over you that they control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, the the response and the reaction is usually very visceral and, and aggressive. And so, you know, you have to kind of, there's a bit of a battle that you have to withstand Mm -hmm. as you fight for your highest self and your, and the best version of yourself. And so in, in the same ways that you should and will, and are letting go of the people who are no longer in the season of life that you're in, pull in and accept and seek out those that see you for who you are because that starts to build back up and heal the version of yourself that you are rebuilding. And by the way, you are that beacon. <laughs> I think of the movie Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> yeah. We watch that all the time in this house. When he goes, when, when they all go into the other game and there's that beacon and all the bugs go to it. Now you're not. Yeah. A <laughs> However, I'm, I'm the light that attracts all of the, the bugs. You're the, no, the good yeah. bugs, the such good yeah, yeah, bugs. Yeah. So, so literally to the tune of, I was telling my husband about the dinner last week, the Ella dinner, which if any of you have a chance to go to the fairway dinners, I can't even describe folks flew in for this. Women flew in for this dinner. It's that essential in, in my, in, in my season of life, it's essential. I'll be going to all the Chicago ones from going from now on. It's such a safe space to the tune of, I used to, in my hurt days, I would just constantly numb with alcohol. And I was telling my husband, I got home and I'm like, I didn't want to drink one drop of alcohol because the moment I stepped in, it was safe and sacred energy. And I felt it, it was divine. And I met you. And then I, and then every woman there, I was like, holy shit, like this is the squad. This is what, this is what it looks like when women come together and lift each other up. We unapologetically in that room that night, woo, my body's lighting up. Hey, spirits. Mm. Um, they're here. Every woman in that room that night. And we, by the way, we all met each other for the very first time. 
Yeah. Most of us. Yeah. And we gave each other a sacred, safe space to share. Aaron orchestrated it beautifully where it was like the headline of where, what would be on the news or like, what would we say? You know, Amy, master certified life coach, badass, empowered spiritual soul. And, and there was like a, a subtext of like really hard shit that like, we didn't want to necessarily say or want anyone to know, but it was so hard. And we all gave each other that space to share that walking out of that room. I knew I had a newfound freedom with these women specifically that I have never had in a group of women that have come together by no coincidence. How do you call people into each dinner? And like, what is that? And you designed it almost. You would design it. You designed it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a deep intentionality about each of these spaces. The things that I am paying attention to always are that they are inclusive, they're intersectional, they're intimate and they're intentional. Those are the the real sort of tenets of of the room and that it's this mix of women across different ages and race and myth like motherhood and marital status, you know, by choice and not by choice. Where are people in their lives? What what sector are they in? What what season of their career? What season of healing? And so you have people that are at different places, but I think Here's what I think women do a lot of the time, understandably, is we overthink and we feel like we have to do so much legwork in order for a choice to be acceptable. I pay attention to the universe. There are women that come into my orbit at different times and I get that room to 20 women and then we move forward. You know, there isn't like, there isn't additional excessive vetting and there isn't like a you know 10 step process to to certify who's going to be there. I pay attention to who these people are, who they put themselves out in the world as and and make sure that they are people who are here to do this work and to be a safe soft place for other women to land. And it is my responsibility to to ensure that experience and I take it very seriously. And it is also my responsibility to choreograph where people are in that room so that they get the most and the best experience out of the time that we're together. I could make myself crazy thinking about who's going to be at this next dinner. But instead, it is to me like this chemistry, like a art and science of chemistry where as one person reaches out to say they desire to go, or I reach out to someone to say, I want them to be there. Different women accept those invitations. The next person changes, right? That it's, there's a chemistry to it that ensures that we are still getting that mix. I can't have a room of all white women. I cannot have a room of all founders. I cannot have a room of all women in their forties who are mothers. Like, so those are the things that I ensure are intersectional and diverse, but how those women sort of come to it is really based on just sort of where the energy of the universe is sending them. It's magical. And for me to, uh, in my deep within my healing, and you know, what's interesting is your dinners first pop of my radar, probably around March this year. And that's when I was still in a coming out of a very harmful situation just on the start of my healing journey. And it wasn't the right time. I now looking, you know, now looking back and this one, this month was 
beautiful and intentional and I mean, it it was just really special and magical. So I thank you for that experience. And it's also, it's the type of environment that not only Ella for all, the Fairway Dinners and Hype Women podcasts are nurturing and fostering, but it's what we can always consistently expect from you. And that's what's sincerely, I mean, that's, that's why you're one of my idols. So, okay. I want to go into my favorite post, which is really almost every day that you post, but today's is really, really awesome. And I'm going to read it and it's a little bit longer, but it, it deserves to be read out loud. The world really can't stand a woman experiencing joy, can it? I mean, the audacity of us living out loud in a way that is not in service to others. How dare we? And before you dismiss this post as another angry woman challenging the patriarchy, let me finish. As today's coverage swirls around whether or not two white male Fortune 500 CEOs will physically fight one another in a cage, my God, I am reminded (laughs) of the egregious double standard women in leadership face. Like, y'all... Donate that money. I I can't. So remember that she didn't write that. That's my, that's Amy's insertion. Remember the coverage last year attempting to destroy Finland's prime minister, Santa Marin. Oh, I remember that. Questioning her character, mental fortitude and ability to hold office because she dared to wear a dress and go out for drinks and dancing with friends. After an investigation and global coverage in every major media outlet, she was cleared of misconduct. What the fuck? And yet we discuss a cage fight between corporate CEOs as if it's just another Monday. What we're seeing with Musk and Zuckerberg is the ultimate convergence of white privilege, patriarchy, toxic masculinity, and unfettered wealth and power. This could be a satirical scene from Greta Gerwig's Barbie, but it's not. It's Monday in America. When women, however, choose to live their multidimensional lives out loud, held and free, the misogynist system is intent on destroying us. The world loves to see a woman struggle. The world loves to watch a woman fail. The world loves to tell women who they are, who they can't be, what they can and can't wear, what they can and can't speak, where they can and can't dance, why they can and can't lead, how they can and can't live. This is a photo of me dancing, partying last year at the age of 40 with a six and three-year-old at home. The audacity, right? And by the way, it's gorgeous, obviously. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm a CEO. I'm a founder. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a mother. I'm a fashion lover. I'm a terrible gardener. I'm a wine drinker. I'm an intersectional feminist. I'm a dedicated friend. I'm a reproductive warrior. I'm a very decent cook. I'm a karaoke aficionado. aficionado. I can't say that it's word. Very, it's a very hard word to say. Not a, I'm a worshiper. Right. <laughs> I'm a worshiper of good DJs. I'm flawed. I'm complicated. I'm human. Women are not a monolith. The world relies on a woman's lack of joy to serve as the backbone of unpaid labor across the planet, 10.9 trillion each year to be exact. And when we forget our place for even a moment, the cavalry comes for us. The world is scared that when we realize how much better life is outside of this rigged system we've been dutifully playing in for centuries with no shot in hell of winning, we'll leave. Well, they should be scared because of so many of us left or are planning as you read this. And we're creating our own damn ecosystem where we can win. And God forbid, dance like no one's watching and criticizing and judging and shaming us. We're breaking out of cages, not stepping into them. Yes. When I read that too, Musk and Zuckerberg are so, they hurt so much inside. Mm -hmm. They're, They're very hurting men. They're hurting. Yeah. They've been conditioned and harmed by the patriarchy. And here we are. Yep. You know that phrase like hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that, you know, so much of the coverage in the past 24 hours has been, are they going to fight? Aren't they going to fight? That's the coverage. It's, is this happening or is it not? And my frustration is that's not the storyline. The storyline is how have we come to a place where this 
is allowed to be a discussion at the highest levels of power and influence in corporate America. How have we come to this? And I mean, we know the answer. We know the path. We know that, unfortunately, how four years under a horrible person just created a landslide of vitriol and and rage and anger and violence, misogyny, racism, all of it, right? It, it it came into the lexicon and we were so inundated with that behavior and that that messaging that we are we're a bit immune to it now. Mm-hmm. And we're also tired. So the fact that this conversation about these two idiots is playing out is largely because we're just tired and we're like, dude, I don't even have time to address this. I'm frustrated by the boards of Meta and Twitter slash X, whatever the hell he's calling it this week. I am disappointed that they are allowing these men to bring the sort of violent rhetoric into the professional landscape that they are. I'm disappointed. And I'm just, I'm here to just sort of every time I see it say, isn't that so interesting? There's no way, there's no way in hell that two black female CEOs would ever, ever, first of all, consider fighting each other in a cage, but they sure as hell would never be allowed to say it out loud. And for people to say, let's see if Roz Brewer from Walgreens and and Thesunda from TIAA. Let's see what happens if they step in and they physically fight each other. So it, we, they, it's just like the patriarchy and and the white supremacist sort of society that we live within. They just can't have their cake and eat it too anymore. And so we have to push back on this stuff with all of the energy that we have. And we have to not get so tired that we just roll over. I can't really believe to your point about the boards not stepping in because both of us being in corporate, we know the power over shareholders that it has. But again, it speaks to the point to use said about patriarchy and white supremacy. It's like, no, this actually what fuels those. And there's a lot of people that are just like, it's so sensationalized. I don't think it's even coming as a coincidence because they just renamed to X. It's like probably part of that. And like, it's, it shouldn't be a marketing strategy. It shouldn't be any of this. And it's, it's also not lost to me. They're, they're both billionaires. So it's like, mm-hmm. I also think there's like this level that they've reached where like, they genuinely don't care. About oh, they don't any, care. Any blowback. Well, no, cause Amy, in their minds, they're like, even if I lose this job, I'm still good. That, so that's my point about unfettered power and wealth. You feel that there are no repercussions in any of the things that you do in the world. You feel that no rules apply to you. That is the fault of of corporate America and of capitalism to have put this kind of money in their pockets to allow that to take place, the boards to allow them to be paid what they are paid and to have the people that work under them that are actually making this these products and these services, the ones who are really hurting the most. So to me, I'm kind of like, these are like two teenage boys whose parents are just like, They've just washed their hands of them. And boys will be boys vibe. Right. Absolutely. Again, right. Like this is, this is all like this line of, of communication. And so what, what has been bothering me for a long time and what I think is really interesting when we look at what's happening with femtech is that the capitalist 
messaging is always when a, when a company begins or a company is sort of scaling and growing, who's your competition? Who are you going to, who are you going to destroy? Let's kill the competition. Let's unseat them. It's very violent warlike language when it comes to, to businesses. You don't see the menopause brands out there telling each other that they want to kill each other or they want to fight each other. They're doing the damn work because also we can't have an oligarchy. We can't have just one person who runs every sector or, or product that is problematic for a different reason. So we actually need a lot of people. We don't need people to destroy each other. We don't need companies to annihilate one another. We need a lot of people doing these, these jobs and a lot of people doing this work. And so I think as we have more women who are coming into positions of power and influence, and God, we have a long way to go. We have 52 women in the Fortune 500. It's a joke. Women are 51% of the population. They are half of the labor force. The fact that they are 10% of the leaders in the Fortune 500 is disgusting. And what we're seeing with what the returns that women bring to organizations is that they're better performers. They do a better job of managing money and, and of being successful. And so- I think femtech is just going to be, to me, this like really interesting area of growth where the majority of these organizations are actually run by women. And so I think we're going to have a different style of leadership and a different way of communicating about business. And two things. One, women who are going to come in and run with the divine feminine in mind, which means giving everyone, regardless of who you are a safe space to not only feel safe, but to be yourself and to be authentic. That's where we've seen right now, the pendulum swing way too far and everyone's having to show up as divine masculine. And this is where you're seeing things manifest as toxic masculinity and things like that. Just really quickly for those who may not know what it is, when you say femtech, what are you referring to? So I'm talking about organizations that are focused on Technology products and services in the health and wellness space for women. So we're seeing a rise in women owned, led and focused doctors and medical facilities. We're seeing a rise in the conversation around the life cycle from period to menopause that women go through and sort of everything that they navigate over the course of their lives, where their bodies change that no one has ever allowed to be a conversation in the workplace. But we, our bodies have to go into the workplace as we navigate all of these things. It's the conversation around maternal health and wellness and care and all of these evolutionary realities when it comes to being a woman. So this is, this is the rise that we're seeing. It's going to be, you know, $1.5 trillion business by 2027. We have more than, you know, we've got around 200 truly leading femtech companies that are driving this, this growth. And I just, I think when we're back here in five years talking about this, we're going to say, wow, that really change things that really change things. Same. There's things that I think of when you say that, that I'm so adamant about. First of all, black women are still dying at rapid rates when they give birth in, in us hospitals, women like me that are heading into perimenopause. I have no idea what that means or not, don't know how to pre prepare for it. And then also yes. the average woman doesn't have an orgasm until they're 24. That's right. So many things about our bodies. Yes. I'm like, daunting. Well, it is, it is the, you know, period pain and endometriosis, the 
anxiety and depression that follows childbirth, all of these things, right? Like, like, listen, we, what we know now is that, that the medical field has completely let women down. Women haven't even been a part of research studies until like the nineties. And so we have been medicated and doctors have been giving us direction based on the physiology and biology of a man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. So we, we deserve a full pendulum swing towards centering ourselves in our own health and wellness, taking care of each other and taking care of ourselves. Once we do that, again, we have been made smaller. We have been told we're crazy. We have been told to to be embarrassed of. Once we bring all of this out of the darkness into the light, no one is going to be able to, to stop us from addressing it and supporting each other and healing and moving through. Right. And if we weren't making a good point, these people, these humans would not be making these vast decisions like we see in Florida. Like you can't talk about periods, you know, until a certain time, they wouldn't be coming out of the woodwork if we weren't talking and doing the right work. So we're on to something. I yep. trust that. And it's not trying to be Pollyanna, but like, I know that we're, we're shaking the right trees. So thank you for that. And I yes. always, anyone out there that wants to talk about female orgasms and when it's appropriate to teach young women, I am want to have that conversation as well as perimenopause. So I love that. Erin, one last question. What would you say to someone who is in support of, let's say this hour long conversation, but all of the work and all the great posts and all the great uplifting that you do. And sometimes it is from a place of anger because you fucking deserve to speak your mind and be real and be the truth. What would you say to folks, men, women, whomever, who, human beings who both support or maybe adversaries of your work and the movement that you're trying to, or not that trying to, that you are in the midst of? Yeah. Anger is, I think, one of the most important emotions we have as humans, but specifically as women, because it's our intuition, which we are told so often to mistrust, but it is our intuition and it is our body's way of telling us when something is wrong. And so when we're angry, it's because our body is telling us something is wrong. And in the best of cases, as is so true for so many women, that anger leads to action. It leads to solving of, of the issue. It leads to a resolution and a process. And so I, I've been told my whole life not to be so angry and I will be angry every fucking day until the end because there's just too much, too much to sort of be pissed about and to, and to continue to fix. So for the people who support what I'm saying and what I'm doing, I say, thank you. I say, you, you have no idea how much the comments mean to me. I read every single one of them. They, they sort of fuel me and they, they help me to, to know that I'm on to something. And I also, I see and know, you know, especially with people that send me private messages that are thanking me and, and they're not able to not only comment on it, but even like it because of fear of their employers paying attention to their activity. I recognize my privilege as a straight white woman. I also feel deep responsibility to have the conversations that many people are unable to have. So that is why I'm here and doing this. It's because these are conversations that need to be talked about, especially in a work place. And I will continue to push them. For those that don't support me, that are upset by what I post about and talk about, my sort of response would be to ask what you're so upset about. 
what, what about what I'm saying and doing bothers you so much? That isn't for me to figure out, nor am I going to spend any time and energy helping you do it. So it's sort of one of those things. I just, I, I find it fascinating. The people that, that seek out my content to make negative comments on it. And I'm like, you, you came to me, you read it and you're engaging with it. So that tells me that there is something that is getting to you. So, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a politician. So what I don't have to say is, Hey, you know, I'm here for the people that are, that are for me and against me. No, I'm really not. If you're against me, then move on, move on. And you're that, you're that beacon. What's interesting is that to your point, there's something that you're saying that is resonating with them. And they're like, Ooh, that's annoying, but that's already in them. So there's something there. And to your point, I love what you said, keep it moving or let's unpack this together. But that's like, right. you're not going to come into my DMs and disrupt my peace. You're, <laughs> you're, just not, you're just not. And again, Amy, two years ago, I would have, I would have engaged. I would have responded because again, the real, the real toxic people never do it publicly. They send horrific messages to me privately. And I report and block them now and I move on. I don't even read it twice. Most of the time I'll get two sentences in and it's like a whole sort of diatribe. I don't need that energy in my life because you aren't teaching me anything. You are working through something that has nothing to do with me. And so you can go do that elsewhere. It is not my job. So that's the difference in the type of person that I am now than the type of person that I used to be. I used to take that all on as the cross I had to bear. And I took it as, as again, as critique that needed to be considered. I don't anymore. If I'm not for you, Bye. I want to honor your growth and your journey because being able to look at that and say, oh, not me, not mine. That is incredible. And it helps your peace and mental well-being stay solid. Cool. Thanks for working through that with yourself. <laughs> Report block. <laughs> right. Hey, why did, why did you say that? And when you're ready to go to a therapy appointment, bring up this 17 paragraph email that you sent me where you have centered me in your life's issues. Go do that. And until then, you and I will never have an interaction. I would be like, save as PDF. <laughs> I mean, save as PDF. No, save as PDF. And then I will PDF. print it out. I will burn that shit. I will burn it. You don't need yes. that energy. Women and human beings like you, I always say like protect at all costs because your beacon, your light, your vibration is what we all not only flock to, but share. And the more the ripple and butterfly effect, you speak to that on your website, that, that, that is what's so essential. And I know that, you know, that I just want to reinforce that we need you. We need your light. We need your beacon. And those folks will find it harder and harder to exist in the world that is being asked to ascend and do better. So those folks will have more work to do the longer they resist. So that's right. That's right. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So Aaron, where can we find you? As we've discussed. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn. It's that is where I post the most. So you can find me on LinkedIn and absolutely, you know, reach out. I, I read every message. I am not able to respond to everyone because I'm one human being. Don't take it personally. I know a lot of you do. And you can find me on, on Instagram. I have less space to communicate there, but maybe a little more of the personal side of my life. And if you ever need to reach me directly, you can email me. Aaron at Ella for all.com. 
And as a participant in your orbit, which I'm so grateful for, and to just have each other's energy space, like we're supposed to meet at this time and place in this on this plane, and I'm so grateful for it. So I'll just encourage everyone, visit erinellaforall.com and set up time with her. It's so, so amazingly valuable. Also, download the app. The Fairway on the App Store, whether you're, whether you have an Android or a iPhone, it's in the App Store or it's in Google Play. And the Fairway is again, like, and as Amy knows, is a person who was a member of the Fairway before she came to a Fairway dinner. She was able to start to sort of get to know the women who were in Chicago and who were in different categories like entrepreneur coach, like all of these different sort of intersections that make up the diversity of the women who are part of the fairway. But now that she's been to a dinner, her squad has its own group where we can continue the conversation that we had that night. We can reiterate the asks that we made verbally so that we can all surround support and have solidarity towards achieving those asks together. And the intention when I started Ella and when I launched the fairway, it wasn't to have a membership. It was to first do these dinners and to just make sure that we were creating these spaces for women to build wealth together. But the demand to to have a place that was specifically designed and curated for them came from it. So we, you know, listen, if women need me to do something and I and I can do it, I make it happen. And so I created an app. <laughs> As an English major, I created an app. So if I can do it, anyone can. I was English major as well. And nice. it's funny because like I was English major and then went into marketing and so did you. So again, yep. so, many, so many synchronicities. It's beautiful. So yeah. com, find and set up time with Aaron, uh, download the Fairway app. And that's where you can get not only the membership, but also access to the dinners that we've been talking about, which are so beautiful and gorgeous. Listen to Hype Women podcast when it comes out. August 26th. Thank you. Oh, Women's thank Equality you. Day. Women's Equality Day. Thank you. And then, of course, find her on LinkedIn and don't be an asshole and like troll her. Don't do that. <laughs> if you do, you go and get blocked. Just know it. Just know that like I have, I don't overthink blocking people if they are toxic and they are bringing bad energy. Yes, queen. Yes. Real simple. I, queen. Oh my gosh. Okay. Any closing remarks you would like to give to the group today? Yeah. I think, you know, whoever's listening, wherever you are in your journey, there is something really powerful about again, acknowledging your presence in this world and the worthiness and value that you have inherently just by being here, do your best to surround yourself with people that see that and recognize that and value it and honor it and be really mindful and protective of those that don't, because this is one life and we don't get a do-over and time is the most precious commodity that we have. It's not transferable. It's not guaranteed. And so guard your time with your life and spend it and give access to, to those that deserve it. Thanks, Erin. Thanks, Amy. 